0: In this episode, I'm joined by Jennifer Degenhart, and we are gonna talk about using stories in our world language classroom. And in these stories, there are opportunities for what we will call windows and mirrors. So it's a window into the experience of others, so students can learn about that, as well as a mirror so that they can actually see themselves reflected in the stories that you're using in your classroom. Let's jump in. Hello my friends. Bonjour mes amis. Hola mis amigos. Welcome on in the World Language Classroom podcast and I am joined today by Jennifer Degenhart. Now this is likely a name you've heard and if you haven't heard that name you have seen her books around. And her books are being used in classrooms all over the country to help students dive into literacy and cultural topics. There are so many cool teachers doing things out there, and I see them at conferences and on Twitter, and I actually just want to spend more time with them. And so I wanted an excuse for all of these people to hang out with me. And so I figured start a podcast and we can have an excuse to hang out together. So thank you, Jennifer, so much for being with us today.
1: Joshua, I am so happy to be with you and thank you for that great introduction. Um, I don't know that I'm all that cool, but I am really happy to spend time with you because I think the same of you.
0: Oh, thank you so much, so much. I would love for you to share with us a bit about your journey as a teacher and how you evolved into being an author along the way.
1: Well, I chose teaching because it was the path of least resistance, really. (laughs) Both of my parents were teachers, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do, and my parents both loved teaching. you know, at at varying degrees at different times of their lives. But um, when I graduated from college, I I went into the family profession, so to speak. And I found that I loved it too. And mostly I love teaching to be with young people. Uh, Spanish just happened to be what I had the most credits in, which was good because I really um, enjoy it very much. And the best part about teaching for me is, is watching students eyes, and their whole beings light up when they get it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that happens in with in history class, or it may in math class. But I that's what I really like. And I was a teacher in public school for 24 years until, um, you know, we, the school where I was teaching in At and I reached a a detente and and we uh, needed to separate and um, I didn't really know what I was going to do after that. And Mm -hmm. I had started writing these books for my students when I was teaching high school and I found that I I loved it. I just Mm -hmm. loved to dive into the story and figure out what was going on. And so I kept doing that and which kept me going at least, um, You know on a personal level so when I had the first year I wasn't teaching in high school and I had published maybe I don't know ten books Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I figured oh this might be a thing
0: (laughs) Wow what was that first book that you wrote for your students in your classroom
1: I wrote La Chica Nueva the new Mm -hmm. girl Mm -hmm. and um, I wrote that for I was so blessed to be able to teach two classes of primarily students with learning challenges, mm-hmm. and they were not buying the regular curriculum. They were bored out of their minds. I was bored and frustrated, and if I knew if I was bored and frustrated, they would be just the same, so mm-hmm. I said there's got to be a better way, and I don't know where the idea came from. Um, I had used other CI readers in class, but I knew that there, that there was no way I could get them to buy into those particular mm-hmm. stories, so mm-hmm. I said, well, maybe I can write my own. And I went home and I dug out all of the stuff, all the curriculum Mm -hmm. that I was supposed to cover in, in, and mapped it out into a story and, and out, came Taruka and Cooper
0: (laughs) when you when you were using that first story with your students did you write the entire story before using it with students or did you sort of go along the way with them in the classroom
1: no I wrote it all actually and and I don't know if I I'm I'm proud to say this but i wrote the first draft of the story in a week and i because it i evidently needed to come out and i would go home and write some and then i think okay i need to to um include these next topics or vocabulary or grammatical structures. And I used to swim in the morning before school. And so I'd I'd go and I'd I'd solve all the problems while I was doing laps. Mm -hmm. And then I'd, you know, I'd use, um, you know, I'd use some of the structures in class and then I'd go home in the evening and write, write, write some more. So I had all of the story written Mm-hmm. For the most part, before I, um, before I gave it to students,
0: so you referred to this as a CI reader. So, what does that mean to you to use that term, a CI reader, and CI meaning comprehensible input? To make sure everyone is on board with that.
1: Well, I, I am not a a pedagogue by any stretch of the imagination. So, the CI to me means um, gives providing students something that they can comprehend comprehensible mm-hmm. and so that that they can you then use that for their own output mm-hmm. and i don't know that probably doesn't doesn't strike a chord with what's what it actually is but mm-hmm. to me with the students that i had at the time that's exactly what happened they were able to understand what I was giving them because there's a lot of repetition in the beginning Mm -hmm. and with the repetition, they built, built up the confidence. And when we were able to start talking about things, I mean, they just lit up. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, and you can on another podcast episode, you can correct all of my wrong things, and that's okay. No, it is not wrong. You you have
0: these are such useful and actionable resources for the classroom. There's there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. Nothing to correct at all. Okay. At all. So the thing that sticks out for me personally as a teacher when I'm looking at your stories and considering the different options is how many different voices and experiences are represented it is not what i would call the typical story you know and typically and historically and legacy ways of teaching there was a single view of an experience and in your books, the characters and the stories are, I'm going to use the word diverse, but I don't think that even honors it enough to say what your stories are. So can you talk a little bit about where your stories come from and the characters that you create?
1: Yes. The, um, the first story that I wrote was, um, The New Girl is about a, um, a young Bolivian girl who moves to the town at non diverse town. And I taught in the school where, you know, my experiences were were based from and that I included in the story because I wanted my students to be able to uh, find themselves in the story. But also I wanted to introduce the theme of what it's like to be a new person in that town and, and a person of color. And while it's not my story to tell, I was able to witness that with some of the students who were new to, either new to town or people of color that didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, didn't, you know, for lack of a better term, were not, did not blend in. And I wanted my students to really understand that, to create that empathy. And that was where La Chica Nueva was born of. And since that time, I have thought, well, what it, what must it be like for other students? They, everyone needs to be able to see themselves in a book. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't, what wasn't presented with textbooks, um, clearly I was not using them, but was the real cultural stuff. I mean, what do we want to talk about with kids? This, I didn't want to talk about, you know, a museum. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to talk about a church. I wanted to talk about people. Language is about people, and Mm -hmm. I love people, Mm -hmm. and I want all of the people to be able to see themselves in a story, and I want the people who are not of that group to know what it's like, or to at least have some idea to Mm -hmm. create that empathy. I know that it's yes to to teach language is is to give students an opportunity to communicate with other people but i also think that that cultural dexterity and cultural empathy will do far more for our um interconnectedness than anything else the language yeah. we can figure out
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah the uh, i hear a lot in in my own school the, uh, particularly in the elementary part of the school, they talk about the concept of windows and mirrors, you know, where students, there's an opportunity to look out the window and learn about a new experience, but then also those opportunities for the mirror to see yourself reflected in the story. And that's what I see in the stories that you create is the opportunity for the mirror, which is not always there. So I, I really appreciate the the fact that that's a part of your process. Could you tell us a bit about where your stories come from like where do you where do you come up with these characters and how do you get to know them and then how do you introduce them to the world?
1: Well, I chat with a lot of people and I listen I, I, I pride myself on being a very good listener. And I remember things because I, I, like I said, I do love people and I love their stories. I like to ask those probing questions, you know, where, um, where did that idea come from? Why, why are you like this? Why, and not in a, a negative way, just trying to understand a little bit more. And I really don't know where these characters come from. I just, um i come up with an idea actually many friends of mine will say oh you should write a story about mm-hmm. and and i think oh well that's ridiculous i don't have time to write a story about and you know by the end of the next day i have all the story mapped out in fact maria maria um the about hurricane maria i was in an exchange it was during a very not bright period of my life right after i was um i left my job this woman on on facebook said oh you should write a series of books about um hurricane maria and and use those proceeds as donations and i thought lady do you have any idea how hard it is to write a book and i was <laughs> mad at her for all, the entire day i never even met her of course but i was mad at her for the entire day and of course my response was well she's right <laughs> and so I uh, and I fleshed out the story by by the end of the evening and th- that to me is the most exciting part I-, I just take little ideas and it's sort of like a dare if someone says well you should write a story about um about curling you know mm-hmm. the that i would find out okay well where where do they practice curling how does that relate to since i write in spanish first how does that relate to um hispanic culture or you know spanish speaking nations and and just sort of put it all together i mean there are some of my stories that where how would you ever put those things together but mm-hmm. i managed to figure it out and that's right. the most exciting part
0: and that authentic piece in there Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about how you kind of check in about the authenticity of it? So sort of, I am a cisgendered white male. And if I were writing a story about a black female, and I'm writing from a first person perspective, that's not my lived experience. And so when you're writing that character, how how do you make sure that you're keeping it authentic?
1: I think that I use most of my observations Mm -hmm. and of, of my own students and I will check in with them also after I've written something and, and farm it out to them. I, I teach at the college level now, so, you know, they'll, they'll provide some feedback, but, um, paying attention to what people do and how they are in the world informs a lot of what, um, a lot of how I write the characters Mm -hmm. and I don't think that um I I try very very hard to stare in the entirely opposite direction of stereotypes because Mm -hmm. that's not um that's not how people live and I think that keying into the the human experience if that's universal so Mm -hmm. it it doesn't it doesn't matter Really, I mean, especially you know with a lot of times language um, contributes to to the cult, to the culture of a person absolutely absolutely it does so you know keeping keeping things really at the surface level but but creating empathy for the character of the human. Him, her, or themselves. Mm-hmm. That's that's the most that's the most important thing to me. Mm-hmm.
0: So you had talked about writing initially in Spanish with your stories, but now they have been uh, I would I'm going to say translated, but I think I should probably say rewritten um, in other languages, particularly French. Have there been other languages, or just French for now?
1: Um, French. And I do have them in English for ESL okay. um, students, and um, I have a couple books in German, and of um, Italian coming out too. Oh, yeah. So the
0: so. the interesting thing about it, um, be, I'm a French and Spanish teacher, is I've I've seen the versions, and typically when we think of translation, it's you just translate the language, but it's actually in some cases the story is completely transformed because it needs to take place in a different culture. So could you talk about that process of collaborating and the the translating not just the language, but the cultural experience in a book as well?
1: yes to me i the culture part is probably more important than the language mm-hmm. in in my estimation so it's so important that the culture is relevant to the to the language um being read in the book because what's what are we going to read about argentina and french it doesn't make much sense mm-hmm. to me um but but adapting it to the language being read is important so i make sure that people who are Are doing the translation of my book know this and have that ability to move the story Mm -hmm. first move the story and then figure out the little um you know the cultural nuances i i don't think if if you read my stories the it's not some of them are not really that in depth culturally so um so they are able to be moved, mm-hmm. and if it's a, for example, you know, one of my stories, which is a, um, you know, La Ultima Prueba, which is based on the Mayan myth, it's going to be that one is not going to be translated and adapted for French because mm-hmm. it's just not translatable or adaptable. Well, translatable it is, but adaptable not. Mm-hmm. But the um, the people with whom I've worked have really um, understood that process. And how important it is to me. I said, Mm -hmm. you know, keep the storyline the same for the most part. The conflict needs to be the same. The resolution needs to be the same. Mm -hmm. But the culture absolutely has to be on.
0: Right what I find in your stories is you had just said that it doesn't go really into depth culturally i I think it goes far enough where it's easy to pull in authentic resources to go along with the story okay you're getting very excited talking yeah, about'm very that. excited because
1: because yes you know as as an author, and as a teacher, that's what I would want is to be able to add my own flair to, and bring in other authentic resources and keeping the culture at a, you know, a name mention level and allowing the teacher, if the teacher uses the books as a class novel, to bring in the things that he or she or they like. because because that's to me, the most exciting part Mm -hmm. about teaching is to put my own personal spin on it. Mm -hmm. And if I can get excited about it, I can definitely sell it to them. And also I am not a historian. I am not even a very good researcher. I like to just put the puzzle pieces together and offer it up. Here you go. Mm -hmm. You know, take, take with this and do with it. What you will put your own spin on it because this is only a guide and -hmm. it's something to talk about, you know, because we can always talk about um, characters that have conflicts much easier than we can talk about ourselves having the same ones. Mm -hmm. And with the, you know, with the racism and the LGBTQ uh, issues and the, um, you know, the economic disparity that I mention in, in the books that I write, it's so much easier to talk about that, those themes with the characters and not, Mm -hmm. you know, have to talk about, you know, oh, student A, you know, lives in a single parent home and and student B, you know, is whatever. You know what I mean? Just talking about those sorts of disparities in real life.
0: Mm -hmm. I noticed that you you take on topics that are sometimes scary for teachers. They're not exactly sure how to take on lgbtq issues or take on income disparity or particularly racism with particular races and it's just sort of oh we're going to talk about that today and it's it's an awkward introduction of the topic just to talk about it but the fact that you bring it in a story that's connected to humanity kind of gives teachers a way of bringing that into their classroom
1: And I think that these kinds of conversations need to take place more and more and more with our students. I I don't know about you, but I think our generation, I don't know how we'll do our, but (laughs) my generation for sure has messed a lot of things up and I'm putting a lot of faith in the younger generation and they seem to be much more aware and um, open about things and just providing these opportunities Nothing is scary unless we ascribe that feeling towards it. Mm-hmm. I mean it just is l g b t q issues they're not really issues they're they're human beings um and and just presenting them as such it just um lowers that effective filter
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and that's what that's what I enjoy about presenting these um these stories. Yeah.
0: So speaking of students, do you ever hear from students who have, or teachers who have used their, their books in your classroom and what's the, what's the feedback you get from them?
1: Well, you're going to make me cry. Oh, <laughs> um,
0: do it. We love I, that.
1: Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I do hear from, from teachers a lot and a lot about um, students that have come to them and thanked them for giving them the book Los Tres Amigos or Les Trois Amis, and um, just allowing them to see uh, see themselves in the books. I. I this was right before, um, right before the pandemic started last year, I uh, met a teacher at Nectville who said, oh, I'm so glad I caught you. I have to get another, I was cleaning up from, from the conference and she says, I'm so glad I caught you. I I have to get another um, copy of Los Tres Amigos. I gave mine away to a student um, whom I thought could benefit from it. And it wasn't until, you know, the following fall, she came to me and said, you know, I didn't know it was going to be okay until I read this book and I finally came out to my parents and it's, and it's going to be okay. And mm-hmm. I was baw- bawling, bawling. Mm-hmm. And, and I think of it still, I'm, I'm crying now and you can see me, but um, I, that's why I do what I do. I just want kids to feel like they matter. Mm-hmm. And if they can just find that just a little bit of comfort by reading a book, then then I've done then I've done a good job. Yeah.
0: And just looking through their immigration stories, there are stories that involve racism. There's so many of these lived experiences. And when we look at these sort of CI comprehensible input readers, these leveled readers, we sometimes think about it it's the it's the class curriculum that the whole class is reading it together, but they Are also incredibly useful for the classroom library for those voluntary reading times where it sounds like that's where the student was was reading it it was the book they pulled off the shelf in the target language that's a level they can understand where they can see themselves and that is so powerful Uh, so thank you
1: yeah i um just uh finished a um a graphic novel um, earlier this year with artwork done by a high school student, because I, I do like to work with um, students all the time. And I wanted to make sure that there were some resources in, in the, in the story itself for students to access if they needed it. So it's a story about a, a transgender male high school student and, um, and a girl that, that, they develop a, a cool connection during COVID. And I I made sure to include the the um, crisis text line and the Trevor project and information on how to, just so that it was embedded in there for those students who might need that just as a, oh, I'm just reading a book. And, you know, if they could take a picture with their phone or, or write it down or something like that, I just... I just i I feel for students, and not for any other reason. I mean, I don't identify um, as part of the community except as and as an ally. But mm-hmm. I just, I just love people, and I want them to feel like I feel now, which is great. Which is great.
0: Yes, and and a a teacher who's choosing to have a book I'm looking specifically at the the book that's the story of the Haitian father who travels illegally to the United States and for a teacher to have that story in their classroom it says I'm an ally and I understand and I'm open to learn more if this is an avenue that opens up for us to have a conversation so that's important. It, it
1: it is important. I think it's to have different stories for for all of the student population regardless of whether they identify with the characters or ev- or even if they just see through the window as you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. it's kind. It's kind mm-hmm. to present everything and not just limit them to the to the single single view focus.
0: So I always, I like to pivot from sort of the informational part of a lot of what we talk about in these podcasts is a lot of information and to make sure that we also look at inspiration and you seem incredibly inspired <laughs> to do what you do. And where, where does your inspiration come from where we can, we can pull from that? And oh, I, I can try some of that as well.
1: I Go out into the world, which I don't leave the house often um, these days much, but I pay attention to people, and I think that if we can draw inspiration from each other, um, I met a I met a very nice man on on my return trip from Guatemala in May, and I've already started his story. You know, was, you know something he inspired in me to tell, um, to tell that story. Um, I'm listening to my students and wanting to incorporate their stories into stories that I tell. I think just love what you do and figure out why. I mean, I just, Mm -hmm. I like to put the puzzle pieces together and also to make it easier for teachers to have these kinds of conversations because nobody really cares if you can conjugate a verb. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) when it's all said and done, but, you know, Mm -hmm. to be able to engage in a conversation, that's that's the most important thing. I know I didn't answer the question, but
0: not (laughs) at all. Inspiration comes in so many different ways. It comes in so many different ways. This is the sort of segment of our conversation where I like to just pull the teacher curtain back a little bit. And we're going to get to know Jennifer. Do you prefer to go by Jen or Jennifer? I see it in two different Um, ways. Jen.
1: Mostly Jen, but Jennifer I have on my books.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, I always see your name as Jennifer on your book, so that's (laughs) in my mind. But Jen. Okay, so now this is clearly the gen part okay, all, right, all right we're gonna pull back <laughs> okay. okay um and i i reach out to to teachers for these this or that uh like on twitter what are some good this or that okay to get get some insight okay. so some just this or that so if you had the choice between a road trip and a destination trip you had to fly to to get to which would you choose
1: um destination trip i don't like to drive uh-huh.
0: Oh, so you're not a road trip person. I'm not a road see? trip
1: person. No.
0: Not a road trip no. person. I, I would agree with the destination. Yeah. I'm about the I, I know that we're supposed to like it's it's about the journey, not the destination. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> but I like the destination too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and if there is a big gathering of people for a party or something, or a small, more intimate gathering, which one would you choose?
1: Oh, the intimate gathering. Very much so. I I do love people, but I like the conversation. I I love to dig in and find out about people. I don't want to, you know, I don't do the chitty chatty.
0: (laughs) Oh, not the chitty chatty. No, I don't really like it. You want to go deeper. Who You need to find your next story. I do. I right? do. I'm,
1: I'm mining <laughs> people's minds for the next story.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. yes. I so appreciate this time with you. Okay. And I want to make sure that everyone that's listening can connect with you. What is the best way to, to connect with you to go further with these conversations?
1: Um, you can find me on Facebook. I do also have a Facebook group called World Language Teaching Stories. I'm on Instagram at... Jen, I don't even know. I will put it it in the show notes. It'll be in the show notes. Listen, find me on social media. I go by my name because I don't, you know, I know you're supposed to hide your identity, but, you know, this is who I am. You know, the FBI can come after me if they want.
0: I will make sure, I mostly connect with you through Twitter, so I will make sure that your Twitter account and your Instagram is in the show notes. And I will also make sure that teachers can go to your website if they want to look into your um, books as well
1: that would be perfect that Excellent. would be so perfect thank you
0: thank you so much for this time together and uh, and for inspiring teachers with your stories and all the work that you do
1: thank you very much joshua for having me
0: some really great takeaways in that conversation with Jennifer about finding those opportunities and stories for windows and mirrors with our students so that they can see themselves reflected and feel valued, but also to learn about the lived daily experience of others so that when they interact, they can do it in a more respectful and authentic way by truly and authentically understanding it. Be sure to check out the show notes so you can connect with Jennifer, and there's also a link in there to sign up for talking points my weekly newsletter where you will get some tips about teaching language and also be notified when new episodes of the podcast are out so that you don't miss a single episode thanks for listening we will talk soon bye for now you've been listening to the world language classroom podcast Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WLClassroom. You can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at, you guessed it, WLClassroom.com.